Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Entertainment Expansion. We're your hosts, Tyler Callahan and Mike Ferrante. Mike, how are you doing this week? Well, Tyler, like my ice in my whiskey right now, I'm chilling. Good pick for a drink for this. A lot we didn't expect last week to be a busy episode, um, but we're coming into this prepared. Uh, we had a nice, great, long conversation about the Snyder Cut. You can listen to that um, anytime. Uh, personally, having... Uh, put it together. I think it's one of our best podcasts. So, just have to drop that there. But we do have a busy episode this week. We got some comments. The first time in a few episodes, we got comments to discuss. Some shoutouts. And then we're back with a director discussion, episode three, talking about David Fincher. One could say a mastermind of thriller movies. I would, I would definitely say. have to agree and say so that that's 100% fair. But before we get into that, let's knock out some of these comments. Going over the recently uploaded What's Next for Theaters video, uh, YouTuber uh, Colleen left a comment saying, loved it. We appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, moving on to the Birds of Prey video. That's been getting a bit of an uptick in views the past few weeks. And we have two people that weren't the biggest fans of the movie. So we'll start out with Robert Yates saying, love the title of the video. I get the sarcasm. And in case you're listening to this on your podcast app, the title on YouTube says Birds of Prey Continues Upward Trend. So, Mike, how would you like to comment or react on Robert's comment? Well, Robert, the title was actually not sarcastic, but I could understand why you would think so. But if we break it down strictly by critics and fans alike, pretty much the DC has been going up. You know, after Justice League, unfortunately, Aquaman hit with pretty good reviews and Birds of Prey hit with even better reviews than Aquaman. So technically, it does continue the DC's content going up and greater. Yeah, no, I agree. I do think it also continues the upward trend. Maybe it's not as good as Shazam or whatever, but considering where we were at, at the low, low of like Justice League to go from Aquaman, Shazam, Birds of Prey... I have no complaints about the quality of the movies, for the most part. So, and yeah, the, you know, I, I, I wrote up the title. It's not meant to be sarcastic. That's what we believe in. And moving on to the other comment, a piece of dirt, uh, wrote us. This movie really sucks. Just a typical feminist movie, and yes, it was overdone. I'll start off with this by saying, yeah, maybe it's a little feminist, um, but that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Uh, I think how. I think, if anything, if you want to complain about feminism, uh, this is a movie that does it right. You have a bunch of strong female characters that have to put up with shit in the real world, either in their personal life, with a breakup like Harley, or workplace, you know, Black Canary, uh, Renee Montoya. The bullshit they have to deal with men. And a lot of women have to deal with this on a near daily basis. So, see a movie that brings some of that into, that you have to see it. So you see what they go through, but they don't get deterred by it. And yeah, I thought overall they they fought back. It was a good, well done movie for the most part. And look, my issues with the movie are more as how how the plot was laid out. It had nothing to do with the characters and how they're written. I thought they were handled pretty well. So just to piggyback off that, Tyler. Yeah. Um, so, Mister Dirt, or should I call you Peace? Um, yeah. Birds of Prey is definitely a feminist movie, but it plays it in the right direction. 
compared to, let's say, Captain Marvel, which is a very slap-in-your-face feminist movie where you have those scenes where Carol's getting told by every single male character, stay down, don't get up, you can't rise above this, and then she, you know, has that female moment rises above it. Captain Marvel was a lot worse of a movie than Birds of Prey. Now, Birds of Prey, yes, the antagonistic male characters who are very scummy is very overdone, but it's overdone to be a point because it doesn't have to be that blatant. There's a lot of subtle sexual harassment in the workplace. There's a lot of abusive relationships in in the real world. So to see a movie that actually kind of shows that isn't a bad thing. And back to it being a feminist movie and being overdone. I hope my lack of fingers, you know, doesn't implement my air quotes here. Yeah, it's okay to have a feminist movie. How many movies do we need to have a complete man's man movie where the dude is always getting into gnarly fights, getting drunk, fucking girls? Like, aren't we... Isn't that getting tiresome? Isn't that overdone? If you want to see an overdone movie, let's take a look at the Fast and Furious franchise where The Rock holds a helicopter in place with a chain and he's not a superhuman he's just a strong dude he's just a strong federal agent they don't teach that to everyone at the academy but yeah finish up your point look we've had decades and decades of the majority movies being strong macho man you know men and all that you know like is it really an issue to have some more movies that are more female based like birds of prey and look I wasn't biggest fan of Captain Marvel either. I think the fight, you know, one of the big fight scenes at the end with I'm um, just a girl playing, you know, like you said, hit, hitting on the nose with a with a fist. But you know, you can't deny that you know for Captain Marvel and having that in pop culture now, like little girls do look up to her. You know, I would much prefer a better movie, and hopefully in a sequel they do. But it does have meaning to to women, and it does have meaning to girls, and we should respect that. And it's not a bad thing. Having a younger girl look up to a role model like that. Now, I'm not saying any of the characters in Birds of Prey should be considered role models. Not at all. We're talking about Cat Marvel in this case. Yeah. Yes. And having a role model like any of the characters in Hustlers. Agreed. Yeah. Definitely. Um, little girls should not grow up to try and be like Harley Quinn. Please stop. Yeah, not a good idea. All right. So with those comments out of the way, direct discussion, David Fincher. He... Got big in the uh, 80s, early 90s, and has continued to dominate since. He has produced a lot of movies. And the past few years, he's his toe a bit into TV, but he stays mostly on movies. And he has a, a lot of work done. Work done. So we're not going to mention every single movie he's done. We have a select list of ones we have watched and we have opinions on. And we'll take it from there. And of course, as always, we do have our ranking at the end of the episode. So... The movies we'll be talking about is Alien 3, 7, Fight Club, Zodiac, Social Network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl, and Benjamin Button. So, Mike, having watched these movies, what is something you like from David Fincher's style, be it, you know, cinematography or writing or just... How, how he how he handles a scene in these movies? Well, for one, I think it's very important to notice that a lot of these films vary in content. But one thing that's 
pretty consistent is kind of the grittiness of the films. Not necessarily how the movie is shot, but the acts that take place in the movie. So you have, we'll skip Alien 3, but you have 7, for example. That's a very gritty movie. It's pretty dark. It gets twisted at times. Then you move on to Fight Club, another gritty movie. Both are dramas, wouldn't consider them action. And then you go to Zodiac, it's a gritty crime thriller. And you can move all the way up the list. The majority of his works are kind of gritty in the real world sense. And he kind of brings these stories into our real world. Yeah, I I would agree with you. Um, One thing that sticks out to me, actually, looking at the the list of movies in front of me, is that he does a lot of, and this is not bad, but I notice he does a lot of grounded work. Or should I say it's like nothing here is exactly original. So, for example, Alien 3, sequel to a famous franchise. Benjamin Button, Gone Girl, and Girl with Dragon Tattoo, they're all based off books. Okay? Social Network is based off real-life events. Same with Zodiac. Uh, Fight Club is also based off a book. So... He does really, really good movies, but for the most part, he doesn't do a original work. He's more of a great a- adapter of material, Correct. which is not a bad thing. I mean, you know, I think he, I'm not sure if the author said this, but a lot of people do consider like for Fight Club, for example, this is one case where the movie is better than the book. Yeah. And that's saying something. Yeah. Usually it's the other way around. <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely. That's one thing I picked up on him. And I would say... Besides Benjamin Button, like like you said, a lot of them are darker movies. I'll probably get into it later, but Social Network, while it may not seem like a darker movie, compared to where we are now from 2010, you could kind of see maybe it is a darker movie. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah. I mean, Social Network deals more with the backstabbing of who used to be friends and, you know, people that other people would say, that's my brother, that's my family, and the betrayal over money. So it definitely gets into the real-world darkness of that. Um, I would also say that David Fincher has no problem getting very gruesome when he needs to be. He is not a director that shies away from that. You see this specifically in, I would say, Seven and Fight Club, Club, more bloody. But seven, Seven for me was more disgusting. Seven, I think, was like one of the most disgusting movies I've seen. Like, like the big guy that you know was forth, you know, to eat till he died. and was there for weeks. Some of the, some of the other things, like I'm happy we didn't see what was in the box. Fight Club was just bloody, but that was fine. Uh, yeah, Girls Dragon oh. Tattoo. Seen some of those pictures. It Oof. did get pretty brutal in Fight Club. Like for example, like most of the time you don't see it being too graphic, but one scene that really stands out is when the narrator is beating Angel Face. That's a pretty graphic scene. I mean, you're seeing yeah, and yeah. you're hearing the, the slapping sound of hit, his face hitting the pavement after every punch and every camera shot you see to him next. He's now missing teeth. His eyes are all bloody. He's coughing up blood like he's done. And it's a very brutal moment for the film, which otherwise doesn't get too graphic. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. And I will say for Zodiac, which is based off, you know, famous serial killer i don't remember it being that bloody or gory just a lot of yeah tension. correct yeah we'll get into girl with the dragon tattoo and 
and uh, Gone Girl in a second. But another thing that I've noticed about his works is he always does seem to have a twist as well. Uh... I mean, spoiler alerts ahead, we got seven. Yeah. Where Brad Pitt is Wrath. You never, it's never really hinted at in the movie, it's never really shown, but Brad Pitt ends up being the killer of, or the last deadly sin, whatever you want to call it, of the movie. Fight Club, you have the twist that Ed, or the narrator and Tyler Durden are the same person. Then you have, uh, what was it? Gone the Girl. Game, for example. Well, we'll go into The Game, okay. which is another one of his, his films, where it was essentially all just a game that actually is very detailed that movie is very interesting you should probably check it out um basically michael douglas is coerced by his deadbeat brother to check out this exclusive real life game it's a thing that rich people do and it turns their their life into a game but the game gets a little too real they stage car accidents they have people follow them shoot at them and it's all just for his birthday. And there's a whole lot of twists and turns in that movie. But then you also have um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. This one's not as big of a twist. You have uh, Stellan Skarsgård. He's actually the killer. Not that big of a twist there. But then Gone Girl. Rosamund Pike's character is actually a murderous psychopath that you never would have guessed. Poor Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. 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 <sighs> See... Is Seven a twist, though? I was going to put that out there. Is Seven a twist? It kind of is. Because he, he, I thought he said he changed his plans after he found out more about the detectives and how they almost caught him. So Kevin Spacey's plan originally did not include him. He just changed it to include him because he was jealous. Yeah, but is it not a twist of the movie itself? Hmm... See, a twist, I feel, has to turn what you've seen so far on its head. For Seven, it's just the guy planned ahead too far that that they couldn't keep up. Like, for Gone Girl, they leave no notion that she somehow escaped. That she somehow faked it. It is only at the halfway point where you see her driving. It's just cold, like, hard cut to her. It's like, oh, you know what the fuck just happened. Now everything you just saw for the past hour, you don't know what it means. And I would say the same... Girl with Dragon Tattoo was like, yeah, you can kind of see he might be it. And then when he turns out to be, he's like, that's not a shock. But I would say for Seven, it's not much of a twist. Because I don't think it follows the rules of a twist. All right. Like, I'd say a more proper twist for the movie is if Morgan Freeman, you know, was involved in this. Like, he quietly snapped this was his way you know this is how he's going to go out into retirement and you can piece how him leading brad pitt along was part of the plan that would be like a what the fuck moment i'm not saying seven didn't have a what the fuck moment it did with the box but i don't think it's like a twist like what just happened all right we can both agree a good amount of his movies do involve a twist agree yes he definitely uh, most of them have a twist. So I think a movie that stands out to me specifically, and this this may be teasing what's going to be toward the top of my list, is The Social Network. It it may not seem like it now. Well, actually, it may seem like it now. Maybe not at the time. I don't think David Fincher realized 
the movie he was making. I, and I actually, getting ready for this podcast, I've rewatched some of the scenes on YouTube. Um, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I think for high school, every high school, it is required viewing for kids to watch this movie. I think it's up there. Some of the content, you know, they deal with college and post-college. Like, that's why I'm saying high school. But every high school graduate should have at least seen this movie once with how important it is about one of the most important men in America right now. Because while, yeah, you know, maybe some things were exaggerated and all that, seeing how Facebook was built in college, how it blew up, the issues they faced, and where Facebook is now, and how much it is a, it is a part of our life. You know, you know, Mike, when we were in high school, you know, oh, it's, it's popular social network and all that, blah, blah, blah. You know, it just bought Instagram around that time. You know, eight, you know, seven, eight years later, you know, Instagram by itself is a billion users. They bought WhatsApp, so they own most of Europe with that. And obviously, Facebook itself is at two billion users. It controls a lot. You know, anyone listening, if you got grandparents or older parents on Facebook, they're probably getting their news from there as well. A lot of misinformation. So good or bad, Facebook owns a lot these days. They run a lot. And not not to get into the technical ethics about that, but the fact that this movie is, I think, a pretty solid look at how the company got started, a good look at Mark Zuckerberg as a person, and it's a damn good movie with a fantastic soundtrack from Trent Reznor. Gotta throw that out there. For what looks like a typical drama movie, should not have this good of a soundtrack. Uh, I, I had to say my piece about that movie specifically because just it, it's, it's a near masterpiece. See, now I'm going to take a hard left turn from what you said. I think his the biggest movie that stood out to me from Fincher. Ooh, it, it's tough to decide, but honestly, what do you I'm think defines him? Defines him. I mean, like, like, most... yeah, like the, the the movie that like the biggest movie that you got from him. Like, what do you think like defines him? For me, it's also network. For you, it's it's gonna have to be a toss between Fight Club and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Ooh, Fight Club, Just I can see, but why why Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? Well, because Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is a very interesting detective story on how honestly. Because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, family's my family. I love them to death. But, and far too often we see too many perfect families in cinema. This is a family that backstabs each other left and right. There's dirty secrets behind every single member of the family. And not to mention how brutal this movie was. I mean, spoiler alert, this movie does have a pretty aggressive rape scene and it is very uncomfortable to watch that being said the main character uh, i believe it was liz she gets back at him and as much as you like to see her getting back at him it hurts me to the core watching that scene even though i know it is such justice but it hurts and i'm gonna get real graphic for a second her trust fund manager is a real piece of shit he, he essentially it's not essentially he does rape her several times and then the last time she kind of gets fed up with it and she goes in for more money and instead of him raping her this time she tases him ties him up to a bed like he did her pulls out a metal dildo and asks him the same question he asked her i hope you like anal and then she no lube no nothing shoves that square in his ass and, and you're hearing some gnarly sound effects, by the way. And to make things where, like, it just hurts me deep down, 
she kicks it. And oh my god, I've never felt that way about a movie before. Yes, it would honestly, I think it's great that she did all that. Please, justice, but it, oh, he, he it just 100%. hurts to watch. Yeah, Fincher's really detailed in that kind of stuff, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can agree with you how Fight Club like, can be his, like, the thing he's known for. And I think, honestly, I, I think right now that's what he is known for. He's known for Fight Club. Like, that, that is a movie that has stayed in pulp culture references for almost 20 years. Like, and, you know, everyone always jokes, oh, you don't talk about Fight Club. I think oh, yeah, it was 1999, right? Yeah, so yep. over 20 years now. Over, over 20 years, it has stayed some way, in some form, in pop culture references, in uh, just, like, and look, it, it's a fantastic movie, but... Um, Acting's, um, the entire message behind the movie is outstanding. Basically down with consumerism and basically working the 9 to 5 being zombies. Rather have nothing of a free man in its own life than have anything money can buy you. I I watched that movie last year. It's kind of sad how much is still relevant today after twenty years. Oh yeah, yeah. more more now than ever. Yeah, um, I would say nothing that stands out to me. Just thinking about the movies through my head. Uh, take take away Alien Three. I can't remember like an actual bad performance from a cast member on the movie. Like, I I don't know what he does, but he seems to get the a, you know a game out of everyone. Especially for Zodiac, you have, you know, that, that's a weird cast because you have rising star Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, he's, he's not the star he is now. You have Robert Downey Jr. on his comeback, you know, from the issues he had, both put in great performances. And then you have Mark Ruffalo, who, you know, nothing special, but put in a damn solid performance. Yeah. Like, so Fight Club, I mean, Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, that was a great, great combo. You know, even Benjamin Button, while the movie isn't amazing or anything, uh, you know. Can't deny Brad Pitt narrating the movie. It's pretty good. So, you know, obviously we, we've talked him up. Do you have any negatives of Fincher that you know? Is there anything maybe maybe you think he, he overdoes? Or what would you like to see him do? I like to see him do something completely out of his element. Because nowadays directors kind of get too set in their ways on what they do. Um, for example, Tarantino. He only does Tarantino-style films. Now, granted, that's what everyone loves him for, but it'd be sure. nice to see branch out and try something different. For example, Edgar Wright, another amazing director who we covered, but mm-hmm. he's done comedies, he's done drama, well, crime drama, I guess, and now he's going into a horror movie. So it kind of keeps things interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, fin- I mean, I don't even know what Fincher's next project is i mean i think he was set to do uh he was set to do i think world war z2 till that dropped out you know that would have been a third at least a third brad pitt movie with him so i'm not sure what movie he's got in the pipeline now but yeah i i uh, would have been fourth oh shit what was the fourth one what's the third one you got seven fight club benjamin button i forgot seven that's why okay yeah that that would have been the fourth and i think doing an action like an action movie like that uh david fincher take on that would be quite interesting I feel, though, with how he does stuff, it would have to be rated R. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What you think? Brad Pitt going all out on zombies? You know, would have been interesting. Yeah, I would like him to see him do something different. Like, I love his drama slash thrillers. Like, I wouldn't mind more of that. But I wouldn't mind maybe a complete horror film. Like, 
honestly, at times, Seven kind of felt like a horror movie. Yeah. Kind of got honestly, that vibe. I think you could tap on a horror pretty easily. Yeah, I think if you want to do a completely new genre, but kind of keep up Fincher style, go to horror. You know, you can cut the tension with a knife in Zodiac. There are some horrific scenes in Seven. Put that together, you have a great horror movie. You could do a comedy movie. I don't know what that would look like. I don't know if it'd be any good, but if you want to challenge. Yeah, because nothing in any of his movies have actually been comical. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's jokes in most of the movies, but it's like that dry jokes, and they're very few in between. So you're not laughing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not much to criticize. I mean, he's able to get the best out of basically all the actors. The films are, the cinematography-wise, they all look great. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have much more else to say. Do you want to start with your list first, or should I go with my list? Well, I think we should just be simple and do top three. Oh, top three, okay. So, yeah, because we're talking about how many movies here. Okay, so yeah, okay. Well, I, I had a list prepared. Uh, spoiler, Alien 3 was in last place. <laughs> oh, no, not Alien 3. All right, what's your top three? All right, I think I'm going to have to go pretty basic route here. I'm going to have to go Fight Club, Growth, Dragon Tattoo, and Seven. Seven as your number one? No, Seven is number three. Oh, okay, okay. Um, okay, so on the top, I have Zodiac, Fight Club, and Social Network. Yeah, I mean, obviously I, I explained why Social Network is up there, and I know why it's my number one, but I agree with you, Michael. Like, Fight Club is like right up there for me, so I'm not surprised. Uh, with your ranking, um, I think definitely for anyone who's into movies, Fight Club is a recommend. Like, it's a you need to watch. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, you kind of need to. Because like, just just take how good it is and entertaining it is to watch. Watch how Fincher takes you along a story, and is able to construct the narrative so much that you don't even consider the fact of the twist until it happens. Correct. Now, obviously, we're talking about the twist, so you know when it happens. But if anyone's listening here that like is into filmmaking, rewatch it and notice how he doesn't really poke any holes in anything. Because if you do a twist like that, how a guy's completely fake, you need to make sure your script is airtight up to that point, so no one can point it, out those holes. It was very airtight, but he did leave little hints along the way. That's also what made it beautiful. Yes. So definitely on rewatches, you can pick up oh. This and this and this can give you an idea, which no one usually catches on the first watch, but that's perfectly fine. Um, and then, yeah, obviously watch Social Network. And, I mean, geez, Zodiac's also a really great watch. I wouldn't say it's much required viewing, but it's a good time. So I think that's all we have on David Fincher. Another director discussion done. But if anyone has thoughts about Fincher, more could you let us know? Well, if anyone has any thoughts about their favorite Fincher movie that we didn't cover properly, please let us know at our following sites. We have Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find us all under Entertainment Expansion. And we want to hear from you guys. What's a director that you think we should tackle next? That's true. We're always looking for ideas on what directors to look at. Again, we'll only really consider ones where we've seen a good amount of their work. But, you know, Maybe if we find one interesting enough from you guys, we'll we'll watch the work on purpose just in for that episode. But until then, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.